I want to speak to you on a subject titled today, The Hope of a Drowning Soul. The Hope of a Drowning Soul. I told this before, but I want to use it again because it fits so well in this word that the Lord has given me today. One of the greatest memories, we all have memories of our childhood and the things that uh, takes our mind back uh, to good times and like that. And one of the greatest memories for me as memory of summertime fun is when the family got together and headed out for a cookout by the creek. Uh, Dad would always load up a little old piece of a grill, and we'd go out and t- by the creek and find a little place there, and family would have this time. And while the grill was heating up, all the kids would immediately go jump, jump in the creek. Now, there was one occasion where I tried to venture out uh, too far. Uh, I was very young, just five or six year old, and I'd, I'd not as of yet learned how to swim. And because some of the others was going on out in, 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 uh, in, in, in deeper water, uh, the water was not clear. You couldn't see the bottom. And I was just kind of moving on, getting out a little bit further. And all of a sudden, I stepped off a drop-off. And as I said, I couldn't swim, so I began to sink by like a rock. And I remember being overwhelmed by the water uh, as I frantically fought to stay above water, but was going down for the third time when the hand of my father reached down and pulled me up. As I think back over that summer day so long ago, I realize how close that I came to drown in that day, and I would have if it wasn't for the watchful eye and strong hand of a father who came to my rescue. But looking back through my life, there were several times in my life that I have been overwhelmed. There have been several times that I found myself drowning, if you please, in certain situations and circumstances. Not in water, but drowning in sin, drowning in difficult times, drowning in in things of life and cares of life that just come upon you all at once and seem to overwhelm you. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh And the times that I'm talking about that I look back on during those times that I felt like I was drowning even though I wasn't in water, those times that I was feeling overwhelmed, I felt during those times just as helpless, just as hopeless, and just as unable to save myself as I did in that creek when I was only five or six years old. 
Now, I believe the reason God placed this word on my heart this morning is because he knew that there was going to be some souls here today who are feeling overwhelmed. Amen. There are some people, amen, who feel like they are over their heads in waters. Maybe it could be waters of grief, waters of sin, or the cares of the life. Amen. You're going through all kinds of anxieties. Amen. you got all kind of questions going on. Amen. And uh, you uh, you asking the question uh, or making the statement like King Jehoshaphat did uh, many years ago when the enemy surrounded him. He said, I don't know what I need to do. I have been there. What about you? I know what it feels like to not know what to do. Hallelujah. And I thank God. And, and, I, and please, I hope you don't take this wrong, but I thank the Lord. Amen. There have been some times in my life that I'm glad that I didn't own a firearm because I may not be standing here today if I did have. It would have made it easy. Hallelujah. I do not, amen, talk about people like some do and even some preachers. Amen. Because some people go through depression and because they go through anxiety, try to make them feel worse like they're half of a person. Let me tell you something. Glory to God, if you haven't had it, if you are a human being, there are going to be some times in your life that you're going to feel overwhelmed. There are going to be some times in your life that you're going to feel like you are drowning and going down for the third and final time. But I come here to tell somebody today, there is hope for a drowning soul. Give God praise. I want you to notice again that verse that I began with in Psalms 94 and 17. Notice that one more time. He said, unless the Lord had been my help, my soul would soon have settled in silence. Think about that for a moment. That is typical of someone drowning. That is typical of someone drowning. First, there is the struggle, the fight for life. Then all of it once, after struggling and after fighting for life, all of a sudden, amen, uh, at once the lifeless body begins to settle in the eternal silence of the deep. Someone fighting and struggling on one minute, then it don't take but just a few minutes. The struggle's not there. The fight's not there. And there's silence as they're sinking as they're settling. That's what King David talking about. He said, unless the Lord had been my help, my soul would have soon settled in silence because I was struggling. I was a fighting. Amen. For life and for all that was within me. And then if it hadn't been, amen, for the Lord, like my daddy in that creek years ago, hadn't been for the Lord to come to my rescue. Hallelujah. I would have sunk. I would have settled and somewhere later they would have found me on the bottom but thank God there is hope today 
telling you there's hope today for a drowning soul. I don't want to dry, drag this out, but I want to share with you something. And the first thing I want to share with you is that we only have hope in God. We only have hope in God. So many people, hallelujah. I remember there was a country song years ago used to say, looking for love in all the wrong places. Hallelujah. You know, it's amazing how we as human beings have a tendency when we need something, we're always looking in the wrong direction, looking in the wrong place. Hallelujah. But let me, let me show you, tell you something. There are a lot of people today who's living their life in misery both women and men, because they, they thought if they could, if they could just uh, get, get somebody, get married to somebody that would love them, they could feel fulfilled. But I'm going to tell you something. That's not where your fulfillment is. Hallelujah. That's not what makes your life tick, folks. Hallelujah. Some people look for it in the bottom of a bottle, but that's not, that's not where it is. That's not where your hope is. Hallelujah. I shared with y'all, I shared with y'all a few weeks back how I found out about a little elementary girl. I found out that rides my school bus. I was told that I needed to keep an eye on her because they found scars all up and down her 12-year-old arm where she'd been cutting herself, trying to hurt herself. <laughs> and I said, why would you want to hurt yourself, sweetheart? Well, I was just practicing, see what I needed to do to die because I feel like if I died, I'd feel so much better. drowning, sinking, and if it hadn't been for God as my help, I would sink in the silence. Listen, folks, this world is a reeling and a rocking like a drunken man, and there ain't nothing on the outside of the walls of this church that you can go to that can bring you happiness, that can bring you contentment, that can put peace in your soul. Every human being was born with a void in their heart. Hallelujah. Amen. And it's a void that only God can fit. Hallelujah. Nothing else will fit in there. You cannot try to take something and cram it. Amen. And try to well, maybe shave it off a little bit to get it to work because the only thing in your life that you really need is Jesus. Jesus Christ uh, as the Lord and Savior of your life. That is your only hope. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalms chapter 38, verses 15 and 
through 17. For in you, O Lord, I hope, you will hear, O Lord my God. You will hear. Have you ever been in a situation? Just leave that scripture up. I'll finish reading in a minute. Have you ever been in a situation that you felt like you were screaming for help, but nobody seemed to hear? Everybody concentrating on something else. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I don't. I guess. I guess. I guess it's a it's a man thing. I reckon. But and I don't mean to do it. But sometimes, Sister Darling, try to be talking to me, and my mind is focused on something else. And finally, I can hear say, "You're not listening to me, are you?" And I say, well, I said, honey, if, if I'm focused doing something else, get my attention first, then talk to me. I'm going to quit saying it because she's getting older. And, she, and, and, and we, we, do, we, do, we do all of our cooking. I finally, after, after years, I, I throwed all that Teflon junk away. And we do all, we, we bought the old... Uh, Black cast iron skillets. I'd rather cook in them than anything. Hallelujah. Cooks even is the best tasting stuff you ever ate. Hallelujah. But uh, I'm doing I'm doing my best to try to pay attention to her because I'm afraid she's going to bring out one of them. She's all right. You want me to get your attention? She'll be hitting me up on the head with one of those things one of these days. She says, "Now do I have your attention?" But <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes we feel like that we're screaming out, but we can't get anyone's attention. Nobody seems to be listening to your problem, to your circumstance, to the point. I'm gonna, you know what I feel like, Brother Mike? I feel like one of the worst things is even though you're in a, a room full of people, but yet feel so all alone. That's a terrible place to be in. That's a terrible place to be in, sis. You may be in a crowd of people with a hundred people around you, but you still feel alone. Hallelujah. But Psalms 38 and 15, he says, For in you, O Lord, I hope you will hear Nobody else is listening. I'm a screaming out. I'm in pain. I'm hurting. I'm going through all kinds of stuff. But you, oh God, will hear. Let me tell you something. If you put your hope in Jesus Christ, there will never be a time that you will say a word that he won't hear. He always hears. He always listens. He's always there. You don't have Glory to God. Hallelujah. Sometimes us Pentecostal people, we get slap-hap crazy. Amen. Screaming and hollering. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm banging our heads against the wall, doing everything. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. Jesus is not hard of hearing. Glory to God. Hey, I, I can give you in the Bible where a little lady one time by the name of Hannah hit the altar praying to God pouring her heart out. But guess what? There wasn't no sound coming out of her lips. 
Hallelujah. But God still heard. Even, even old Eli, the prophet, he was so away from God's will. See, this woman, Hannah, had a broken heart. She went to the house of God to seek for help. And there was the prophet, Eli. Hey, because she was down there at the altar praying, but she, her lips were moving, but no sound was coming out. He thought she was drinking. He said, put the wine away, woman. That's what I'm talking about. You can be screaming, but nobody seems to be listening. But God has promised you. David said, "For you, in you, O Lord, I hope. Why? Because you're going to hear me. O Lord, my God. Next verse. For I said, hear me, lest they rejoice over me, lest when my foot slips. Remember our first verse? He says, when my foot slips, you're going to hold me up. You're going to be there to catch me. God, that's God's grace. That's his mercy. Hallelujah. He loves you. God don't take no pleasure in none of his children falling. Hallelujah. If you, if you start to slip, call out to God. Put your hope in him. He'll lift you up. For I said, hear me. Lest they rejoice over me, lest he's talking about his enemies, those who was trying to do him in, those who's trying to harm him. He said, lest they rejoice over me, lest when my foot slips they exalt themselves against me. Hallelujah. Next verse. For I am ready to fall, and my sorrow is continually before me. Hallelujah. All oh, folks, you don't have to be out in the water to be drowning. You don't have to be out in a lake. Hallelujah, you're in the water of some kind. Amen, to be, be drowning. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of Jesus. My sorrow is continued before. See, folks, we only have hope in God. There are times in life where you feel the weight and pressure of life so strong that you know you are going down. Hallelujah. You know you're going down because the pressure is so strong. Everything's coming against you. You have fought so long, so hard to stay above water, but you feel yourself sinking deeper and deeper in despair. I know God is talking to somebody here this morning. Like someone in the water. Amen. You're struggling and you're fighting for life. Hallelujah. Amen. But you've fought now so long. Amen. And your faults are hard. Your legs are beginning to cramp. Hallelujah. You don't know how much longer you can stay above water. You feel yourself sinking deeper and deeper in despair. Your foot is slipping. Hallelujah. And there seems to be nothing you can do. You have tried everything. Is there any hope for me out there? Psalms 33, 18 through 22. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. 
on those who hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in, oh, in famine. Hallelujah. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him. Because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O oh Lord, be upon us just as we hope in you. I'm here to tell you today, your only hope is in Jesus. Now the world's not going to understand this. And the religious people, the denominations are not going to understand this. Those people out here in those dead, dried up churches that don't have no spirit moving, that don't have the anointing of the Holy Ghost, they don't have it. And so they don't understand those people that do have it. How do you listen? Remember, it wasn't the Romans that killed Jesus. It was the religious people in that day. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, all these religious minded people. I'm not here to offer you no religion. I'm here to tell you about Jesus and a relationship you can have with him that his eye will forever be watching over you. Behold the eye of the Lord is on those. You see the scripture that I read, there is hope for everyone who fears the Lord. And that fear, when it said that uh, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, that don't, that don't mean that you're shuddering and you're like this, trying to hide. That word fear means reverence. Reverence and respect. That ain't, that ain't the kind of fear that God wants. I'm going to tell you something. Myself as a bus driver, if I'm driving my school bus and I let off a little child and their daddy's standing out there and if I see that child look like he's got fear of that daddy and try to run from that daddy, it's going to make me think that there's something there not right. And I'm going to do some checking into it. And my Heavenly Father's the same way. I don't have to go to Him quaking. I, I don't have to worry about Him striking me down every time I, I do something wrong. He's always ready when my foot slips to hold me up. It's His grace and His mercy. Don't we get a hold of that? Hallelujah. So there's, there's hope for everyone who fears the Lord, who, who reverences Him, who respects Him. The reason there is hope is because His eye is on you. That's what Psalms 33 and 18 said. But, uh, said, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him. Hallelujah. Just like the eye of my daddy was on me, although I didn't realize it. Hallelujah. His eyes on watching just like my dad did, like he was watching me in that creek, although I didn't realize it because my mind was somewhere else. My mind was on having a good time that day, enjoying myself. Hallelujah. I didn't have the slightest clue my dad was watching me. 
The last time I seen him, he was somewhere doing something else. But it didn't make no difference what else he got involved in. If one of his kids needed him, he was there. And when I stepped off of that drop-off, he was, he, he was a younger man then. He was a strong, he was a worker. He reached down and pulled me back up out of the depths. There are times in my life and your life that you don't see God watching you, and the reason why you don't see him watching you is because you're focused on doing something else. But he's watching you. And if you slip and fall and you call upon him, he's going to be there in an instant. He'll be there in an instant. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I've got to move on. Listen, David said he will keep you alive in famine. That's, that's what I read. You remember that? He said uh, that, uh, let's go back there in Psalms 33, 18. He said, his, uh, those who hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Now, now I prayed about that and I studied about that. What, what was you saying here, Lord? What, what did King David, what was you talking about? Famine is when the normal supply line is cut off. Now, back in those days, they had a lot of famine there in the Middle East. The rain would shut off. That was their normal supply line. Famine is when the normal supply line is cut off. Everything dries up and life becomes impossible to sustain where you've been. Let me talk to you just a few minutes. Let me talk to you. Let me give you something here. Famine is when the normal supply is cut off. And when that supply is cut off, sometimes you have to realize that, hey, where I've been, the level I'm at now, the position I'm at now is not able to sustain me. So I've got to look further. And it's that time that God will lead you. Now that brings me back to a Elijah the prophet. There was a famine in the land, the Bible said. And old Elijah went down to a brook. And he drunk water from that brook. And the Bible says God sent him, send him meat by the ravens and fed him. But the famine continued. It continued so much that one day he went to the brook to get water, Brother Jeff, and the brook was dry. The supply, the normal supply had been cut off. You follow me? When your supply cuts off, sometimes some of the hardest thing we as humans want to do 
is to realize we have to make a change. Hallelujah. But a lot of times, the only one who likes a change is when a baby soils his diapers. God has promised to take care of you, but if he's leading you somewhere, you've got to follow where he leads. God had been taking care of Elijah by that brook. He'd been drinking by that brook for a long time, but now the supply had been cut off. God spoke to Elijah. He said, I want you to go elsewhere. He said, because over here, he said, there's a widow woman that I have commanded to sustain thee. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If you ever get to a point in a place that your normal supply has been cut off and you realize that, hey, where I'm at right here and right now is not going to be able to sustain me, then you've got to start talking to God, Lord, you lead me and I'll follow. Hallelujah. You lead me. and I'll, if it, Even though Elijah was a man of God, even though he was God's prophet, if he had tried to stay there by that brook, you know what happened to him? He would have died. Now, I've been talking about God's grace and His mercy, but folks, always realize we have to obey the Lord. We have to do what He tells us to do. That brook had been, uh, had been given all the water that Elijah needed, but the famine was so strong and lasted so long that when he went down there one day, there was no more brook. Hallelujah. God was letting him know that he had to change. He had to make a change. He had to go somewhere else. Sometimes God leads us elsewhere. We got to follow the leadership of God. God says, listen, you go over yonder because I have commanded a widow woman to sustain you. When your normal supply dries up, hallelujah, God loves you. God takes care of you. But we still got to walk in obedience to him. Amen? We still got to walk in obedience to him. I've got to, let me Let me hurry up and finish this. There's a, one more thing I want to talk about briefly, and I'm going to close. There is hope to a drowning soul. But the second thing, we got to yield the struggle to Christ. That struggle that you've been going through, you got to give it up to Jesus. Listen to me. Do you know the drowning victim fights and struggles so hard to survive because fear has gripped their heart? That struggle for life will be their ultimate demise. I had a cousin, only only one month different our age. When we we was growing up, we were we were close, and he went he went swimming at a place called the Cliffs at Percy Priest. Right after the lake had opened up, they just had built the dam, and it was brand it was brand new. 
and uh, a lot of, I mean, there were, you could still, you go out there, you could still, I mean, you could see still, you know, out there, you could see part of Calcifer Pike coming up out of the water and then going back down in the water, you know. And uh, something happened to him. He was only uh, 16 at the time. They don't know if he got caught up in some underbrush or whatever. I mean, whatever whatever it was because there was fence fence posts and everything else covered up by that lake, everything covered up. But he was a fighting and struggling so hard there were people trying to save him, but he was fighting those that were trying to help him. Do you hear what I'm saying? There have been... There have been people who have lost their own life trying to help somebody else They'll take you down with them. They get beside themselves. They're caught up in fear, and they're fighting so hard, and they're struggling so hard. I'm talking to somebody right here right now. Hallelujah. If you want them to get your hope, amen, and not go down and survive, you're going to have to yield that struggle to Jesus. Because it will be the struggle that will kill you. I have read where they have literally knocked somebody out just to get them and save them. Matthew eleven, twenty-eight through thirty. Judas says, Come to me, all who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. <laughs> Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Give Jesus the struggle today. If your struggle is a kid, a child, lay that child on the altar and walk away and leave him there. Don't, don't drag him off with you. Sometimes love has to be tough. Hallelujah. Amen. And a lot of times we don't let God fix something in their life because we won't let go of it. We had a picture one time of a child had a broke toy, taking it to daddy to fix, but that, that child loved that toy so much, that child didn't want to let go of that toy. And finally daddy said, said honey, you're going to have to let go of it and give it to me before I can fix it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Some of you have been struggling so hard and so long over something. Amen. You've been taking it to Jesus time and time again. But when you get to his feet, you don't let it go. Let him carry the burden. Let him carry the burden. Last scripture, and I'm closing. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Cast in all your care. That word carry, that word care right there, it means worry or anxiety. Cast it all upon him because he cares for you. <laughs> 